Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate, weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 222 of Dial the Gate, the Stargate Oral History Project. Cameron Bright is joining me in this episode. He played Orlin in Stargate SG-1's The Fourth Horseman, parts one and two. He took over the role for Sean Patrick uh, Flannery. Flannery could not... um, uh, There was a scheduling conflict, and so they redid the role for Cameron, and so they brought him in, and so we're going to uh, talk about that plus a lot more uh, in this episode. But before we bring him in, uh, it, before we get started, if you want more Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you click the like button. It makes a difference uh, with YouTube and will continue to help the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. And clips from this episode will be released over the course of the next few weeks on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. This was originally a live stream. Long of the short, my uh, internet has been giving me a tremendous amount of difficulty the past few weeks because my my hard line into the house was destroyed and they don't know why. So Cameron was very gracious with me because I wasn't able to publish the stream. We went ahead and did a pre-recorded show. So um, this is going to go ahead and I'm just going to go ahead and post this. So I appreciate everyone's patience. We may have him back on in the future. As you see, we've got a couple of things uh, in the works with Stargate Timekeepers. So let's go ahead and bring in uh, Cameron Bright on Dial the Gate. Cameron Bright, Orlin from Stargate SG-1's The Fourth Horseman. Sir, it is a a privilege to have you. I've been a fan of your work for years, and I'm really excited to have this conversation. How are you doing? What's going on? Well, you know, it's a beautiful day in British Columbia, and yeah, yeah, happy to be here, and and uh, thanks for you know having me on the show, and yeah, stoked to chat about uh, you know Stargate and, and other things. I'm sure. Absolutely. Can you take me back uh, to when you first? Can you take me back to when you first? Uh, knew that this is what you wanted to do for, you know, a a substantial portion of your life. You wanted to act, you wanted to get into this industry, or was it something that, I'm curious to know, when you're that young, is it a parental influence or is it all you? Where, Where does this come in to play? Yeah, I mean, when I started, I was five, like, officially, I think I was like five or six. Um, So I definitely had no clue what I was getting into. Um, We started definitely, it was actually just kind of by chance. um, When we moved from uh, Victoria, where I was born up to where I live now, um, my mom was dating um, a pro at one of the golf courses in town here. And it just so happened that um, the owner of the golf course, his wife, at that time was a, uh, pardon me, was a a local talent agent. Mm. And so my brother, uh, my mom and I were, were just at the course one day and she had kind of like, you know, walked past us and 
and basically said, you know, you have two good looking kids. If you ever want to get them in, you know, we had like Sears catalog and just, yeah. you know, just kind of small, like modeling, put some money away for college, hopefully. And, you know, just kind of give us a shout. Uh, so my mom asked us at that point, you know, do you want to try it out? And of course we said yes, because that's what kids say. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Went from there. Wow. <laughs> I did like two weeks of acting classes and then I booked my first role. Um, we have uh, one of the, um, uh, one of our like uh, telephone companies here. They've had like a big merger, Tell Us. So mm-hmm. when BC Tell merged into Tell Us, I was like a pixie running around in the background in one of their commercials. <laughs> and, and that was the, the beginning of the end, I guess you could say. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, yeah, no. So yeah, I mean, and then, yeah, definitely, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's not the easiest industry to grow up in, um, to say the easiest way, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, don't regret it by any means. And yeah, it was, a it was a crazy journey, especially as a, as a, you know, a young child. So what do you think it is you, because you are uniquely, um, qualified to speak about this what do you think it is about um all of these uh kids who go through this meat grinder and come out um just unhappy people so many of them kill themselves i mean uh, or just are a little wackadoodle i mean what do you think it is about the system that that does that to some of them is it the power trip is it the manipulation of the adults is it what do you think what do you think's going on i mean you know situational i guess but all of the all of the above (laughs) Uh, pardon me uh yeah i mean you know i kind of related to obviously you know my my mother as well you know Uh, obviously we we had our differences on many things sure mother and son but the one thing that i definitely um you know was thankful for later on in life was how she handled that kind of stuff because it was i think it was like when i was 13 or 14 i think it was 14 when i finally you know i was you know doing quite well and and i think it was right around thank you for smoking yeah because thank you for smoking was the first movie the first one i think it was the first one that i filmed down in the states but anyways uh i filmed it in la and right around that time that was when i had you know like an agent up here in canada and then we finally got representation down in the states and once we got that it was was it the i can't remember if it was literally thank you for smoking or if it was when i was down there for one of the award shows um but either way um it was yeah. I was like fourteen when I got asked that question, and it was the uh, my my LA agent was basically like you know screw school, screw everything, you know move to LA and become rich and famous. And my mom was very much like no. <laughs> he was like we're doing just fine where we're at, and we're gonna stay there, which is you know kind of middle of nowhere, not middle of nowhere, I guess you could say, but not LA. Compared to LA, yeah. Um, but yeah, so which was, you know, the island. And um, yeah, I definitely, you know, of course we can say we we might have been different people, but I can almost guarantee <laughs> that I would have been a very different person had I grown up in LA. Um, because it is, it's a whole different beast. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily 
you know, being in the industry, I would say just amplifies it. But growing up in LA, regardless of just being in LA, like I kind of realized this later on, you know, when I was in my 20s and, you know, early 20s, I guess I could say. And um, uh, when I, you know, I'd spent, you know, five, six months living down there for work and stuff. The LA is just a really weird city. And it's um, very much like I kind of got explained to it the one day you know that it's it's full of a different breed of person because you know la is that place where like 95 percent of the people that are in la that are chasing that dream come from somewhere else normally they come from a very small town and they were that person in that town so they were that kind of unicorn they thought they were better they thought they could do something crazy with their life and so they literally left everything behind to focus on themselves and then they show up to LA and there's 15 million other people just like them there you know and it and it breeds this just different mentality of person um not to you know be disrespectful in any way to anybody in LA but it's it's you know like I've had so many friends there that have just had you know friends they've known for like five ten years absolutely Mm -hmm. stabbed them in the back and Mm -hmm. you know and that's not even on like a professional level it's just life there and so yeah I you know I can guarantee that you know when if I had to move there you know growing up here in my town it was Mm -hmm. like I had to I was like the famous kid that everyone almost hated because I was famous. So I had to prove to people that I was just, you know, a quote unquote regular guy. Whereas in LA, I would have been toted for being the famous person and people would have been kissing my feet. So it's, you know, I definitely, um, you know, it's a shame to see, like I've, you know, I've, you know, again, like going to LA, I've chilled with, you know, Disney kids and stuff like that. And that'd be, you know, they'll be like 22 and they're so far gone. And it's like, whoa, man, like, you know, and it's, but it's the influences, right? Especially, you know, I think being on Disney, you know, when, when you are a Disney kid, you are very much like, I don't want to say sheltered because it's not the right case, but it's like, yeah, there's so much that goes on behind closed doors because that's where it has to happen. Like no one can be open about their issues because they have to be that happy go lucky kid on, on, you know, Disney. And a lot of these people have major issues. And so, yeah, it's, you know, I'm definitely thankful that for my mother, I guess, long, long story short, um, because yeah, who knows what would have happened had I grown up, you know, the majority of my teen years in LA, um, but yeah, it's a fair point. Could have worked out anyway. Right. I worked, <laughs> but yeah, it is. It is a shame. Yeah, no, it is a shame. And I think it's, you know, it really depends, you know, on the person, but yeah, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot battling against the children in the industry. And then, you know, and then as, of course, as we grow up, you know, it's, it is, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of expectation. You know, it's that whole kind of thing where, especially for someone like myself, because I haven't really acted in the past few years, you know, myself, COVID, blah, 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 plenty of excuses, I guess one could say. Um, But it's, yeah, it's kind of that 
you know, constant pressure to always be that person too, you know, like now it's like, that's the thing is whenever I see someone, if they recognize me, that's the first thing they say is, oh, are you still an actor? And it's like, well, am I ever not an actor? You know, <laughs> right? It's just like that. And it's like, oh, <laughs> like I have to be in a movie because everyone expects me to be in movies. And it's just that kind of yeah, expectation, I guess you could say. So yeah, it's, it's either like yeah, an, it's an interesting life. thing. You know, yeah, either yeah. you're always doing it or you're always not, and that's not that's not true. You can come in and out of it. You know, yeah. I'm paying my agent. Yeah. Leave me alone. So <laughs> there's a certain amount of like, well, yeah, definitely. And I lived in LA for two years, actually working on a Stargate project, and I uh, I get the culture, and I I enjoyed it while I was there, but I was also great. It was a specific project, and when it was done, I was grateful to leave, and yeah. I have retained some relationships there. Um, the, it's it's funny that some of the most uh, vapid and shallow people I've ever met, and also some of the most important relationships in my life, deep relationships, yeah. were made there. Yeah. So it's 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 all of it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's sure. an interesting city to to say the least. That's for sure. I've been uh, uh, I've I've watched a number of your films over the years, and uh. I have to say, you know, in terms of your body of work from a an actor's perspective, you're kind of a badass because you look at some of the projects that you've done that some parents would be like or kids would be like, I'm not touching that. He's got to do what? And he's in what kind of a situation? And it, no way. And I, I can I can only imagine you're going, I got this. I got this one. I'll take the ball and run yeah. with it. What is it like? Yeah, I mean, I think that that was kind of the thing for myself as well. Like, you know, I've, I've always mentioned that before. You know, people will speak to kind of like my maturity and everything, you know. And it is like I mentioned that, that it's like, well, I grew up around adults. Literally, I was working with adults, you know. Um very professional adults one could say <laughs> um but it's uh um yeah i mean literally like i think <laughs> the only role we ever turned down as a kid growing up that my mom was literally like hard off on that was um uh it was going to be it was like a true story about ted bundy and oh, wow. I was going to play the young Ted Bundy. And my mom was like, nah. <laughs> like, my mom was like, nah. Like, that might just be a little too hardcore. Um, and it might affect some people the wrong way. And I don't think that movie ended, ever ended up being made anyways. So, you know, it was probably a good choice. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, that was like, in the top of my mind, that is like the only one that my mom was like, no, we're not even going to bother. Um but yeah, no, and it's, you know, again, like, that's like, I was not a Disney kid moving up. If anything, I was killing other kids in movies <laughs> when I was growing up. So it was just like, yeah, I don't know. But it was fun, you know, I maybe it, maybe it led to kind of the way that, you know, when I was growing up, that's kind of how I always was as well, acting. I was kind of that very, like, monotone, kind of creepy kid, just, you know, acting-wise. And so I think it fit with a lot, but... You know, yeah, like, I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was more fun than anything. It's kind of like, again, once you grow up in the industry and you kind of start to learn what you want to do, like, I can't tell you an actor that I know of that loves playing the good guy. 
Like everyone wants right. to play the bad guy. Like it's just it's more fun, you know. You get to do more with your character. You can, you know, that's the thing. A bad guy can do whatever he wants. He can be a good guy. He can be a bad guy. He can be in between. A good guy just always has to be good. There's no being bad. And no. if you're being bad, then it's sad and it's just depressing. And it, you know, whereas like the villain, you know, it's the guy you love to hate, right? So, um, <laughs> exactly. so yeah, for me, it was it was more fun than anything, you know. Especially you know the movies like Running Scared and stuff, where I'm literally like running around with a gun you know it was just stuff that as a child it was just you know it was amazing it was fun (laughs) and some of it was pretty i mean if you if you look into the the subject matter you know some of it was pretty cutting edge if you look at godsend i i suspect um we can do that you know to some to some degree or if if we if we can't we'll be able to soon and what's to prevent some mad scientist from splicing DNA from one kid into another and creating this monster who doesn't, yeah. who, who's incapable of, uh, of, uh, of controlling this, this other personality, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm a bit really of a, ahead of its time. I'm a bit of a conspiracy weirdo. There's definitely <laughs> doing that stuff. <laughs> Some shady dark corner of the world somewhere where they don't have any laws, but, um, but yeah, yeah they're, no, they're only cloning it's... sheep. They're, they're not cloning. Yeah. Humans. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're only they're only growing ears on the back of rats, right? That's the extent <laughs> of it, you know. But no, um, but no, and it it is, you know, it's it's kind of one of you know, it's funny. It's like you know, <laughs> speaking of you know, I guess Stargate, and then you know, it's like even you know, I've <laughs> in recent years have gone run the gamut of doing all the Star Treks, and it's funny because it's you know. It's like a lot of pop culture, you know, you look at books, you look at, you know, science fiction as, you know, a genre. And it's kind of like, you know, a lot of the technology that we end up coming up with, the ideas originate in film or, or you know, book or whatever kind of first, you know, nine times out of ten, right? It's like, what is it? Um, oh, it's, it's our dream movie. face. I can't even science remember. Fiction it's is like our dream face. Yeah, it's like I think Minority Report is only set in like the early 2000s or something like that, too. Isn't I can't remember what movie it is, but there's literally it's funny watching, you know, movies from like the the 50s and 60s that say like, you know, oh, in the year 2020, we're going to be driving flying cars. And it's like, well, we're not there yet, but we're close. You know, it's uh, it's just funny to see. And yeah, it's, you know, and Godsend was kind of one of those things, too, where it's you know, I mean, yeah, like there's always, you know, a weird topic going on in the world, I guess you could say when it comes to science fiction. And yeah, Godsend was one of those movies for sure. Um, you know, the whole cloning thing was an interesting thing, I, I, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's always something going on. <laughs> and you're working with freaking Robert De Niro. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, no, it was amazing to work with him. Definitely. Um, you know, it was actually kind of funny because of course when you when you you know you first show up on set you're like oh okay here we go like time to be the most professional i possibly can and you know straight face and all this kind of stuff and and then you meet you meet bob and he's just one of those guys super amazing super nice guy friendly with everyone and then you know he um the one thing that i always laughed with him was uh you basically can't make him laugh on set (laughs) because if he laughs on set, he remembers that moment and it will like screw him up for like an hour and a half hours. (laughs) So like he'll be filming the scene and like where he broke out laughing, 
he'll reach that point in the scene and just be like, hey, hey, hey. and then he just like shakes his head and he's like, sorry, I got to do that again. And it's like, buddy, like, how did you make it 50 years? Right, exactly. Like <laughs> laughing the whole time. But then uh, <laughs> we had a plan that we were going to do because there's the one scene where um, where he comes to the house in that movie and he's like, uh, you know, he says, Adam, Adam. And I'm like facing away from him. And then he says, Zachary. And I turn around and I say, daddy or whatever I say. Um, my mom had it planned that I was going to do the, are you talking to me? Oh um, no. At that point. <laughs> and, and I ended up getting cold feet and not doing it because of kind of like that reason. Like I didn't want to literally destroy his damn film. And uh, like we, we ended up telling him after that I was going to do that. And he was like, uh, I have literally like, if you want to, talk about a broken record i have heard that you know saying a million times and he's like and it never you know i never even crack a smile and he's like but if you had done that there he's like i would have been done for the day like like, he was like that would have been literally the best one and my mom was kind of like yeah but at the same time we're like oh well you know joke not done but but yeah no he was amazing to work with we we were at one point going to um uh because we we were filming that actually leo and i'm pretty sure it was scorsese we were doing uh the aviator at the exact same time Mm. and they were actually filming in studios the in like the same studios that we were filming in uh out in toronto i believe it was um and so we were going to meet them the one day sadly didn't get to um but yeah he was an amazing guy um super nice super friendly you know ended up you know, giving me some crazy compliments that definitely Aww. in the beginning of my career were yeah. pretty crazy. Like he ended up that my mom will always take it to heart. I guess I do too, but he had mentioned, you know, at that point, I think I was like, Oh, I would have been like eight or nine. I think yeah. when I worked with him and he had said that uh, the one compliment he gave that stuck with us is that he said that at that age um he believed that i was the same caliber as when he had worked with leonardo dicaprio um in this boy's life which i think leo was like 16 or something like that so that was a pretty pretty killer comment um for the beginning of my career and then later on down the road when i worked in uh with running uh on running scared with uh chaz palm and terry um I uh, didn't really realize at that time how good of friends they were. But when I met Chaz on set, I'd walked up and was going to shake his hand. And I was like, hi, Mr. Pommentary. And he was like, oh, you need no introduction there, Mr. Bray. Bob's talked all about you. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I was not expecting that. I was like, wait, Bob talked about me to other people? Like, holy, you know? But yeah, and that was like... I was like four or five years later, I think. To, so to to kind of even just get that, I was like, holy. So yeah, he, he's an amazing guy. I know um, my mom actually keeps in contact with like his assistant or mm. something, and they're they're always kind of passing stuff back and back and forth. It'd be it'd be amazing if uh, if for not if, but when I do kind of get back into acting mm-hmm. full time and everything, it'd be amazing to work with him again. You know, one more time. I know he's getting up there, but. He still seems to be working quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he's going con- hard. Considering everything that we went through in the past few years, I think it's so important to to hang on to those bright specks from our from our life, where it's like, yeah, you know what, we can uh, 
the, the people who we look up to, you know, can also, uh, we can make an impact on them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's things like that, that we have to, that we have to hang on to, to get back out the door and get back to work. And it's like, yeah, we've all been through something really rough, but, uh, we've still got it and we've got more to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and kind of touching on what we talked about earlier too, is you just, you never, you know, it's funny because, you know, again, like you, you know, meeting these crazy famous people like Robert De Niro and, you know, Patrick Swayze was another guy. Oh, who, wow. You know, yeah. Uh, that I worked with that, you know, you could see, you know, much less with Robert De Niro. Bob was great. Like he seemed to handle, you know, the fame and work and everything just great. But Patrick Swayze was definitely a troubled guy. You know, he mm-hmm. was like an amazing human being again, but you could see that the industry had taken a toll on him you know and and it was you know especially after working with him um you know watching him i can't remember what the show was called he was on that like spy show um you know the last work that he ended up doing and even myself and my mom at that point watching that show we could tell like every episode we were like he's looking worse and worse and worse you know and then of course he ended up kind of taking a hiatus from that show and shortly after he had passed away but Mm -hmm. But it's just that where, like, you know, you could see, you know, that, like, lifetime of being in that limelight. You know, you expect these people to, you know, well, it's just that. You have so many expectations and kind of, you know, tabloid news and all that bullshit, so to speak. Yeah, um, Yeah. no, it it chases you. Yeah, you you build up this kind of idea of these people in your head and, and it's pleasantly surprising when you meet them and they're completely the opposite of what you would expect them to be in a good way of course um and that's i was fortunate enough you know to work with only those people of course being an actor you get you know a little bit of a different experience with actors you know they can be amazing to you and absolutely terrible to everyone else on set um but again luckily i never really worked with those people all the you know super famous people that I did work with ended up being, you know, again, some of the, you know, best people I've met in my life and some of the relationships, even with like Paul Walker and stuff, you know, it's just like stuff like that, where it's like, you know, it's weird to say, like, I remember, you know, even for myself growing up in the industry, it's interesting because, you know, you kind of bypass a lot of stuff. Like even, you know, when I go to an audition, well, I guess, no one really goes to auditions right. these days. No, I told one on Zoom. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but when I when I used to go to auditions, I should say, especially in the past few years, you know, here in our union UBCP, you know, you show up to the audition and you sign it. There's a sign in sheet and you write down your union number, and it's like my union number is like four digits, and they're into like six digits now, I think, or something like that, and it's just like man i'm old (laughs) it's just like like i'm an og in this game and i'm only like 30 Uh, it would happen when i was on um uh uh motive which was hilarious because you know i had the you know again the fortune of working with amazing actors especially local like canadian actors on motive you know we had like david cross and and louis and and Kirsten and I remember the one day we were sitting around the table all talking about like how many years we had been acting and 
I had actually been acting, you know, even though they're all in their 30s, 40s, like Louis probably almost in his 60s at that time or something. And, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, I've been acting for like 20 years, 30 years. And I was like, I've been acting for like 25 years. And they're they're all like, whoa, man. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you know, I've been doing it ever since I can remember. So, you know, but yeah, so it's it's yeah, again, it's just a super interesting, you know, life I've lived. I guess. <laughs> of course. Been there, been there, done that, uh, as, as some would say. Well, you know, as long as you remember to be thankful for the gifts that you've been given, um, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what's going to happen when you turn the page. So, but I, I'm glad yeah. to hear that you're, that you're uh, continuing to, to plan to stick with it because a lot of people in their life, you know, it's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm ready to do something else. Or maybe, yeah. you know, balance it back and forth with some other things. So. Yeah, for me, you know, sadly, that's the one part of growing up, you know, uh, wealthy, I guess you could say is, of course, I, I always kind of say it that I had more dollars than I did cents, you know, um, I, <laughs> you know, especially recently, like I've gotten into um, Web3 and crypto yes. and, and all that kind of stuff. And so <laughs> I understand <laughs> course while i'm broke in my late 30s i understand much more about how to spend my money properly um but you know it's it's again like you kind of take a lot for granted and you know you fall into that loop of oh don't worry i'll just get another movie and i'll be fine right and that doesn't always happen right and that's kind of how it was for me where you know like luckily the one thing that i do have is i i do own a house here in in bc and so i have something you know left i guess you could say um but it's you know i was more than happy to have you know spent all my money more or less and be that person where now you know it's kind of literally one of those things where like i've you know it's it's the fact of being happy in life and being happy with who you are um that's a very tough thing to do when you're in the limelight 24 seven is actually like love yourself because you're constantly being criticized for what you're doing. You know, like if you don't, you know, if you don't have a six pack abs in your twenties, then, you know, you're not doing your job. You know, if you're not, you know, the sexiest person you can be at every second of the day and doing everything for everyone around you and not for yourself and blah, 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 you know, it, it takes a toll after a while, especially, you know, for me, it was kind of like 16, 17. That was when really like a lot of the rejection started, not like typical rejection, but it was always just the battle of why am I not good enough? Right. And that was what would suck about auditions was I would go for these auditions and I would want them to say, like, you did this wrong. You did this bad, but it was never that. It was always just like, oh, you didn't look right or your hair wasn't right. And it was always just such little things that it was like, it, those are the things that build up in your head where you're like, there has to be more. What can I you do know, with that? Like, why, what can I do to change like, that? Why are you, yeah. yeah, it's like, why are you telling me that, oh, it was because your eyes are blue and not brown. That's that's the reason. Like, <laughs> it's like, there has to be more, right? Yeah. And it kind of just like builds and builds and builds until, you know, for myself, especially, I was just kind of like, you know, screw this. Um, and then it's, you know, it's the fact that, yeah, again, like, 
you know, especially when you grow up in the industry, you're always asked those questions of like, do you want to direct, you know, do you want to, you know, be a camera guy, whatever. And yeah, and sure. Like I, I'm not against it, but I've always wanted to be more the producer type guy. Yeah. Um, be the one that puts everyone together um, and makes stuff happen. So that's what I've been doing more recently is yeah. Like I've been, you know, I have shoot, I have a friend in town here who went to, uh, school for uh screenplay writing and and yeah we have i don't even know how many scripts we have right now officially i'd say we probably have like five scripts that we want to run with um that we're finishing off so you know i still have plans for it but it kind of all circles back around to like the financial side of it right and when when you grow up in the industry again like i you know sadly i ended up dropping out of school and everything so you know, it's not like that keeps me from jobs by any means. Um, but it's still a regret. You know, yeah, it's it's more, um, you know, it comes down more to just like to get back into acting and to pursue mm-hmm. acting full time. It is really, you know, again, it's a full time job. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, you know, it's hard to work a day job because you have to be able to drop anything on a dime. And, you know, again, maybe not so much now because, you know, a lot of auditions are just tapings and, or, you know, sending in, you know, tapes. Um, Whereas like back in the day, you know, like I'd have to go over to Vancouver for the day, right. For an audition. And so it's like, you know, trying to work a day job, but then getting a phone call the night before saying that I have to be in Vancouver at eight in the morning. Well, then I'm losing my job. And if I don't get that, and then it's like, now the pressure is added and added to that audition because it's like, well, I'm literally wasting time and money if I don't do amazing on this audition. And then if I don't do amazing on that audition, it doubles back down on like, now I've wasted time and money and now it's on me again. And so it's to get back into it. It's, it's a, it's a big hill, right? It's like, Oh, I've, you know, I haven't even had like headshots done since I was probably like 18, 20. So I need to, you know, it's like, couple thousand dollars for new headshots, a yeah. couple thousand dollars to get into classes, to get back into it, because it is one of those things. It's kind of like, you know, I wouldn't say it's like a riding a bike by any means. It's a lot more like, uh, you know, a muscle, like it's a lot more like going to the gym acting. Right. And it's like, if you haven't acted or done an audition in two years, you are, you do, you know, your skills will lesson right you, you're just not used to it and you're not used to kind of you know again like working out those muscles so to speak so it's yeah it's one of those things where i have to basically be able to dedicate a full year just to relaunching myself in the industry and to do that it's like well i got bills to pay just like Correct. everybody else does these days and you know and it's just crazy times. Like, I think the writer's strike is still going on down in the States. And, you know, like stuff is still moving. Um, you know, like I still have friends that are working and stuff. But it's it's just weird. You know, it's weird times. Ever since COVID, obviously, especially here in Canada, like acting completely shut down. Like I had more friends losing jobs than they were getting jobs. You know, I had people that were, you know, set to be on, you know, like next season of something. And then they got the call like, yeah, your character's cut because we're not adding 10 characters when we don't even know how to get the six we have in the room you know so it was it's just weird times and i i don't think it's quite 
come back from that. And then there's also, you know, um, the, the industry itself has seen many different faces in the last like 10, 15 years. What with, you know, the, the fallout, if you want to call it of like the me too Mm -hmm. area thing. And then the now inclusivity side of it, which I'm all for everyone should be able to go to a movie or watch a a film or a show, sorry, and relate to somebody, you know, whether, however you relate to them. Right. And, but for myself being that, you know, (laughs) the, the, the one that no one wants to see in movies anymore, um, (laughs) it's, it, it comes, it's, it's tough. And then as well for a filmmaker or for myself as an aspiring filmmaker, I guess I could say, um, on the production side, again, it's tough because it's like, you know, it's like I've, I've had this conversation with my buddy, my writer buddy, and he's like that. Like when he writes something, he just writes what he wants to write. He doesn't start off with like, okay, I need to have make sure somebody in my film is is African American. I need to make sure that somebody you know touches the LGBTQ realm. I I need to make sure that you know blah 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 blah. It's like we as creators do not think about that. You know, it's like we just want to create. Right. But that's kind of where the industry is these days is that you have to kind of, you know, check these boxes, so Mm -hmm. to speak, to really make sure to get out there. You know, even with films these days, like short films, you know, for me and my buddy, you know, that's where we would start. We'd start small, do like an independent, maybe a short film festival thing. But even that, then it's like we're two white guys making films that we're trying to get into film festivals when film festivals are kind of on the front line of again showcasing the kind of trends right Mm -hmm. so you know it's you just have to make compromises and and do these weird it's jumping through hoops you know you have to jump through a lot more hoops these days than just like i need funding you know that was kind of the thing back in the days once you had money you were good to go you know but but that's not quite the case these days and so it's you know it's just interesting i think with you know again with covid and what's going on in the world it's there's a lot at play right now there's a lot happening and you've got there's got these intersectional boxes that you that you Mm -hmm. are expected to tick and you know you Mm -hmm. have to make it work but you also have to be willing to say to yourself yes i can still be my creative self in this realm Mm -hmm. you know yeah exactly and it's and you know again it's it's funny because it's yeah it's not a bad thing it's just uh, it's added challenges right Right. which again it's up to us to adapt and and overcome those those challenges you know and it's again it's nothing bad but it it, as a you know again uh, on the creative side it just it adds more to it you know Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because you know one of the one of the scripts we have like that's where we've kind of tied it in you know it's like we have our our main our main character is a female and it was kind of like trying to bring out you know it's a bit of a twisted movie uh, but, uh <laughs> really you def- cameron def- no yeah yeah no it's definitely <laughs> definitely my first movie that i wrote with my, wrote with my buddy in it it started as one thing and it turned into a bit of a Frankenstein. It's like, we, we literally describe it as like a mix between the Hills have eyes and oh my like, God. and like deliverance. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's, it's a good one. Um, but yeah. So, you know, and we were trying to build these things, right. And we're like, Oh, well, you know, there's, you know, the one point basically where our cap cap T uh, female, you know, she snaps and she, 
pulls the you know revenge against her killers and it was but it was like what you know well we can't just have her be a sheep be a sheep be a sheep and then all of a sudden she just snaps and turns into a wolf you know there has to be a reason or there has to be something inside of her that has been building up over her life and so it was like what is this issue and then it was literally like the one day you know we kind of broke the script so to speak by me coming up with the idea of having her have vitiligo and it was like oh well now this is just her thing where you know she's always been teased she's always been ridiculed or considered different just because of her skin condition you know and it's and but that then added so much more to our script so again as you're saying like it's not like it's a bad thing by any means it's just how do we use it and how do we utilize that and how do we you know you know it's just tough to fit you know so many characters into a script like if you have a script with only three characters then how do you fit every race and gender in there you know and it's so it's yeah it's it's just a challenge you know but it's not a you know it's it's not a bad one by any means you know i i definitely want to depending on how much time you have i definitely want to get into web three and the future of of entertainment because i think that that landscape is is changing and you know yeah. more about that than I do, and it's something that I've always been wanting to get into a little bit more. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm free. I'm, I'm not doing anything. If anything, i got to go to work, but that's at like 2.30, so I still have like another hour and a half. Okay, good. Well, I because it. this is – I'm really enjoying this. This is I, I want to touch on, um, <clears throat> obviously, Stargate. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, say, wait a minute. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, how familiar with you were, were you with the franchise? Um before this audition so, came up and uh, tell me yeah, about this whole so, journey. I actually don't think I auditioned. I think I just got the role. Which That's awesome. Cool. But um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, well, uh, we were actually, you know, I knew about it for sure. I, I was a fan of the show before uh, so SG one. Um, I'm trying to think. Of course, it's funny. Like I actually had never watched, um, atlantis or uh what is it Un- universe universe I think, right yeah yeah um up until recently so i had actually just watched those you know oh probably like i don't know six seven years ago oh, now. okay um but uh but yeah so sg1 i had oh we kind of like grew up watching and especially being <clears throat> being based out of vancouver mm-hmm. you know going to auditions all the time you knew about Stargate. It was one of the largest shows filmed right in Vancouver. So, you know, like I'd go to auditions on that. um, uh, It's funny, like they don't really do that anymore. It's so funny just knowing how the industry has changed over the years. But um, but yeah, like we used to have... um, Anyways, the studio that they filmed at, there would sometimes be auditions for other Oh, Atbridge Studios? Yeah, Atbridge oh, Studios. So okay. you'd be like, I'd be, you know, sitting, waiting for my audition, and you'd see people walking by in, like, the military gear, and you'd be like, ooh, you're from Stargate. <laughs> but yeah, um, but no, we had actually, so it was, I don't know the time frame. I want to say it was like, it was like eight or nine months before, but I was actually with my mom we were flying i can't remember if it was to or from but we were flying either to or back from la to vancouver and we actually ran in uh amanda was actually on 
our flight and she was preggers at the time oh yeah very much preggers um and we uh she was actually amazing at that point we got a photo um Uh. you know and chatted with her for a few minutes and little did i know like i i think it was within a year so maybe like seven or eight months later i was on the show um so it was pretty interesting because yeah we had met and chatted with her and then yeah like six months later i was a boyfriend basically (laughs) um but yeah uh you and those wacky roles yeah (laughs) yeah um it's a band of tapping come on seriously yeah yeah, not bad at all i did well and i I cleaned up well in my young age yeah nicole kidman (laughs) i mean come on (laughs) yeah um but yeah no so she was actually amazing it was you know one of I was definitely much better, you know, again, thanks to my mom. I was really good at learning my lines um, when I was a kid. Um, And that was, you know, the scene where, you know, where I first come back, I guess you could say. uh, And I'm chatting with all of them in the the boardroom or the war room, whatever they called it kind of thing. Yeah, Um, you're explaining what's what's happening off. Yeah. And I go off all crazy on the Ori and blah, blah, origin and blah, blah, blah. Well, that I had memorized. And so like, they were all, you know, day players. And so they all had their scripts out, but I remember that was one of the first standing ovations I actually got on set was we were just in like rehearsal and I set it all off book, no, no lines. And they all looked at me like, man, you have that memorized. (laughs) It's like, Uh... I guess so. But yeah, so everyone was amazing. Like even, um, cause we had, uh, like, yeah, like I said, I was a huge fan of the show first. So, you know, Shanks and all of them, they were all amazing to work with. They were all amazing people. Um, even, um, it's funny. I want to say, what was his name? It was Browder. The, uh, the one that Mitchell, um, yeah, yeah. Mitchell. That's what, that was his character, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, so he was actually amazing too. I'd always hang out with him after work. He was a, he was like a, a steam room guy. So we'd always kind of hang out in the steam room at the hotel and chat. And, no, everyone was actually, yeah, I guess the, the only person that I didn't actually meet <clears throat> was, uh, was the old Richard Dean Thomas or whatever there. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I also heard that apparently I wasn't missing too much. So. Well, Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah. He had, he had yeah, Dean uh, Anderson. Yeah. yeah this was his first, this was his first full season away. So he yeah, had, he yeah. had come and gone a lot in the last couple of years, but uh, yeah. what was it like? stepping into sean patrick flannery's role did you did you did you watch ascension did you take anything from that or were you like this is mine now it's mine i'm trying to think he did his thing i must you know of course i'm trying to think back if i had seen that i would imagine i would have because i would have watched the show at that point but i don't know if i watched like every episode but either way no it was kind of you know I don't know. That was never really an issue for me. <clears throat> um, luckily, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe it was kind of a bit of a saving grace that my character was literally losing his mind because that was right. kind of what they were saying is they weren't necessarily, you know, I feel like it was the way that they explained it to me that, you know, even his character, like he had taken that form as well. So it's not necessarily that I had to be, exactly like you know sean was because 
I had ascended like in, in reality, I had, you know, grown and aged and all this kind of weird stuff that like, I kind of almost was a bit of a different person when I came back, you know, it was completely different, you know, situation and everything. And I knew, you know, that it was kind of my, my death sentence, right. I was going to save everybody, but you know, I was going to lose my mind in the process basically. So I think one of the the few things that were, that were for sure the same was his love for Sam. And yeah. his willingness to once again give himself up for an entire civilization of people mm-hmm. like like he did before. And yeah. and also you're losing your mind. So there's gotta yeah. be something freeing in that. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was it was super fun. I mean, and that's the thing, it was kind of like I said, it was a bit of a dream to be on that show regardless, just because, you know, every like I said, especially when they were filming, it's kind of like something that every actor from Vancouver wanted to be on. You know, it was wow. definitely that show. Um, maybe not everyone, but yeah. most most of us all wanted to be on Stargate. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it was super fun. And it was just crazy because that, you know, again, it was, you know, it was just fun to film all the sci-fi, the sets, you know, it's it, it kind of reminds me as well of like X-Men and you just, you know, you get to see the production side of things and it's so much more fun when you're doing cool stuff, you know, like being in the hazmat suit, you know, (laughs) just all these different things as a kid getting to meet Lou Gossett Jr. When he's all done up and, you know, and the makeup and, you know, all that as a, you know, shoot. I don't know how old I was on. I must've been, Oh, I don't know, maybe like 11 or 12 or something, maybe. But yeah, so for for it was the literal kid in a candy store at that point where you just, you know, it's just fun to be there seeing all the moving parts and and what goes into it. And, you know, yeah. And again, meeting the people and, you know, I was a huge fan of Teal'c. So meeting um, uh, Christopher uh, Judge is amazing. Yeah, Christopher, Chris Judge. Kratos. And yeah, and he again was another just amazing person. Like yeah. everyone on that film was absolutely awesome. So yeah, it was it was super fun. Were yeah. you there on the day they rigged Ben up to do a flip through the air to be pulled by the prior? Were you there for that? Uh, for that I would assume I was, but I might not have been on set when they actually did it. Oh, okay. Because that was that was the only terrible part about being a child on set is you're in school. Like whenever they don't need you, you get rushed away to be in school and tutoring. So I missed a few things just because I was literally tucked away in a closet somewhere, um, <laughs> more or less. Um, Are you alone so, or do you have a tutor? No, yeah. Like we, we had a tutor. When you're under the age of 18, by law, you have to have a tutor on set. Okay. So it was, uh, it was good and bad. I got my schooling, pardon me. I got my schooling done, but I hated it. Like that was yeah. the only part of growing up on set that I absolutely hated. I would actually physically hide on set. <laughs> I would like hide behind furniture and stuff because I knew I was like, Oh, you know, they're switching cameras. It's going to be an hour. They're going to shove me in school. And so I'd go hide behind like a couch or whatever. <laughs> school man i'm just gonna sit here and let them find me and i did that for sure it's like get a story about birth with that actually with with nicole kidman please yeah, i thought they were i thought they were trying to use her to flush me out from my hiding spot <laughs> <laughs> she was literally nicole was like Karen, Karen. and she's like i'm not trying to send you to school i was Aww. like what <laughs> and she was trying to give me an xbox actually which was uh, amazing but yeah but yeah it was funny um Cause yeah, like they, and that's the thing, like the, you know, it, it's actually kind of interesting because it becomes a lot more taxing 
you know, like I'll be working with, you know, 30 year olds, 40 year olds. And when they have a half hour break, they get to go lay down in their, their, you know, trailer, they get to go have a coffee, they get to go hang out and chat. You get put to school. Or I get put in school for 30 minutes, right? So there was really like no breaks for a child, you know, of course, they, they're not allowed to work you, you know, after certain hours and, you know, other type deal things. But, but during the day, it, it becomes quite taxing. Like I remember, I think birth was one of the first times that I actually like broke down on set too, because Nicole was very particular about having her eyeline be the actor as well so i was like almost working double shifts where like you know when the camera was on my close-up i didn't necessarily need nicole there but she would right want me there you know off camera right so i would be standing off camera for her and then in school and then i'd be pulled out of school to help her and then back in school and blah and like the one point i just broke down and i was like can i just have a nap instead and you know i was bawling my eyes out basically and it was like yeah like haven't we done enough school for one day? Like, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I can't imagine what it, uh, the frustration of being expected to memorize your material, to have it ready to go and also be expected to continue to, to have a full day in school. That's a yeah. lot to expect a kid to, to handle. Well, and the way it is, is, what is it? I think you're supposed to have a minimum of like three hours a day or something like that, but you can have a maximum of five hours. So what they do as well is they'll try and bank hours. So if, you know, there's one crazy film day where they're like, you're probably not going to be in school much that day, then they need to make up hours. So there would actually be weekends where I would have to do school. You know, so like if you have, you know, a two, like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday where I don't get any school, that's three hours a day that I have to make up. So I'll do like a five hour school session on Saturday and a five hour school session on Sunday. And then that catches me up for last week's school. Right. And it's like, so even on days off, they weren't days off. You know, <laughs> it's just like, man, you so, have to have um, new time. You know, you have to yeah. play a video game or something to decompress, you know? Yeah. So there, it Pain definitely wasn't too painful. And education is important. Oh, no. Uh, not, although, yeah. Although, although I hate it. But, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, or hated it, I should say. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, you know, and that's the only thing I ever hated about anything <laughs> was definitely that. Um, but yeah, no. And, and Stargate, it's funny too, because then later on down the road, I ended up, you know, obviously working with Chris, like Christopher Heyerdahl. Um, oh, he's, he's brilliant. He's so brilliant. That, you know, yeah, he's actually probably like if if I were to name like a, you know, an actor that I enjoy watching, Chris is top for sure because it's just. He's a chameleon. He can become anything. He, he just disappears. He's, he speaks like 12 different languages or something crazy. Like he's just insane. Like he's literally that guy. Who, like, you know, you look at as an actor and you're like, man, I suck. You know, like, <laughs> he's just like, this guy's crazy, man. It's like, how do you do this? man? stop making me look terrible. But, um, but yeah, I know um, it was uh, when we were doing twilight, I ended up going out to LA um, 
or not LA, sorry, uh, 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 Australia, completely different place. Um, we went to Australia for uh, some like conventions and that was actually where I ended up meeting a lot of the um, Atlantis guys. So like I had met, um, you know, Paul, Paul McGillian and oh. um, I can't remember the other guy's name, but he was, you know, um, David oh, Hewlett, like David the, Nickel. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not not Hewlett. Um, Joe Flanagan. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Jason Momoa. Uh, that that was actually funny because yeah, Jason Momoa was there, um, <clears throat> and so Jason Momoa and Paul McGilligan. I remember uh, we actually <laughs> we actually this will be a good one for the fans. Um, I was underage at the time, so all the underage people don't listen. But no, um, we actually uh, I snuck into a a bar in uh, Australia. I was like, I wasn't too underage. I think I was like 17 and I think their legal drinking age is 18. But I snuck in and I ended up getting rather inebriated <laughs> with, uh, with Jason Momoa and friends. And um, yeah, I, uh, we, we ended up getting, um, uh, of course, because we were all signing autographs and stuff, I ended up getting a couple photos of them uh, and they had their kind of like spread or whatever, five, six photos. And my whole thing was I picked like kind of the more ridiculous looking photo and then I would make them like make up a comment for them and i think it was like paul's paul's was literally it was like a shot of him like with you know holding a gun up but he was like like all like shocked looking or something and i was like i think i had him put like oops i i i shit myself or something like that on like on it and signed it and jason momoa's was his character pulling you know his sword out of his back but it was like mid kind of like this and so I remember I was like, oh, yeah, put on it like, ooh, my back's itchy or something. And he was like, he like looked at me and he was like, I'm not putting that dumb shit or whatever. And then and then he literally, yeah, he went on, um, he wrote on it, he wrote on my paper. He was like, uh, he was like, I have never been so drunk with a 16 year old in my life and i was like no 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 like don't put that my mom's here man i was like my mom's gonna hate you um so yeah that was funny it's always interesting when you meet those guys you know obviously you know then it was uh, it was only a couple years later that he was on game of thrones and now i know and now the, the meteoric rise of jason momoa absolutely um, he's untouchable but yeah yeah well and he was one of those guys for sure that like even there you know meeting him he was a great guy and so he was it's, it's, it's always good to see you know it's always good to see those people get success you know it's like absolutely right you know what was and, the caliber um, of of the stargate production like how how on par was it to other work that you had done at this point they're in season nine of production they are a well-oiled yeah. machine how does it stack up to some of your other work You've done yeah, the I mean, small, the large. Where does it? I'm curious as to where it fits in. It's funny. I mean, I probably wouldn't have thought about that at the time, but it was. I mean, I would say the production value is nice and high. It was. It was fun. Like it was amazing to work on. You know, like again, like all the sets, like that. That was kind of my first. Well, no, not kind of. I think that was actually my really my first. Well. I think that was kind of my first thing that was like a studio based show, you know, like birth, we filmed quite a bit in studio, but it was like, you know, an apartment building yeah. in a studio. So it wasn't very like, Ooh, this is cool. Yeah. This but, is an underground know, like, base. Yeah. 
yeah exactly whereas like getting on yeah like even me seeing seeing the gate for the first time i was like ooh, i was like yeah ooh. <laughs> but yeah um so yeah no it was amazing i mean and that's the thing too like even you know i'll always remember again when i was in the hazmat suit yeah. and just that set right where i like as a kid i was like ooh, what are all the buttons and flashing lights <laughs> people are like stop touching stuff i'm like well it's like man but yeah, no, it was amazing. You know, again, like that was kind of my first big, you know, studio based show that had tons of sets built. And, you know, I myself was on, you know, it's kind of the the great part about filming in Vancouver, too, is like you just, you, you know, for myself as well, like throughout the years, I've filmed all over and there's just right. kind of like something for everyone in Vancouver, yeah. you know, like I've filmed on, you know, we have, um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Oh, and it's actually funny too, because it's like, when I look back, like I was there now that I remember actually, because I was in a movie with Sean Patrick Flannery, like um... super, super early on. I was, um, I like spilt ice cream on him and told him he's not dead or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and like, But it was, uh, it was filmed in, we have, um, I think it's called like border town or something okay. like that. But, uh, but it's basically a, you know, mock, uh, Western set that like a lot of, a lot of different things. Stargate's used. filmed there. Um, yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we, um, you know, it's just stuff like that where like even just being in Vancouver and being on one of those shows that travels around and kind of uses these different locations and for cool things too. like even, you know, the little village when, um, you know, of course, I can't remember his name. Didn't know who he was at the time. I thought he was a little bit creepy, which is funny because then I watched the X-Files and I know him as the smoking man. Um, oh, absolutely. He was, like the, he was the, uh, uh, what you call it? Damaris, like the Ori Prior. Yeah, yeah, the prior. That's what they call it. I was gonna say pastor, but that's wrong. With wrong religion. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. No, it's so I. I thought he was a bit creepy. William B. When Davis. I worked with him. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, but yeah. So um, you know, even just getting to, you know, it's kind of that thing when you're a kid, you meet a lot of these cool people, and you really don't know who you're meeting. You know, like when I met Lou Gossett Jr. Yeah, I just thought he was just some crazy, intelligent old guy that was telling me crazy things about like, I remember he was talking to me about Waterworld, which, of course, at that time, I had no clue what it was. <laughs> but he was talking to me about how he got like his voice down where he and he was doing it in front of me. And I was just like, whoa, what are you doing? Wow. He, like, he was able to like do his weird little like gargle voice. But he was telling me how he would literally like. For a month, he trained in front of his mirror where he would literally just like take a, a, a glass of water, fill his mouth with water and then talk while his mouth was full of water. So it would add that gargling and he slowly just reduced the amount of water until he was able to do it with no water in his bed. And I was like, kid, I was like, wow. what? <laughs> I was like, is this what I have to do when I grow up? But yeah, no. <laughs> but it was just stuff like that, where you just kind of, as a kid, you just take so much in and you kind of don't really know what you're absorbing until mm -hmm. later on in life. And you're like, man, like that had an impact on me, you know? And so it's just kind of that where I think, you know, looking back at it, I was just, yeah, again, I, kind of said it earlier where i was just the kid in the candy store on that one where it's you know yeah it was just su super fun and again you know everyone on set was amazing i think um 
I think the director at that time, his name was, I believe his name was Andy. Andy Makita. Yeah. I think Andy was the director of that. And I'd worked with him on other stuff after that. And so it's, you know, again, it was a Vancouver show. I was a Vancouver based actor. So it was kind of a perfect show for me to be on, you know, like I met a lot of people and I worked with them in further projects after that and everything. And, um, so yeah yeah it was cool i actually think he ended up directing an episode of motive and we couldn't figure out where we knew each other from and then it was like stargate and we're like oh yeah stargate he's a good guy it was like geez but yeah so you know yeah it's yeah you know i can only say it so many times but yeah it was it was amazing experience what do you think became of orlin i always thought it was interesting okay they're putting this little boy in the old folks home okay who knows Um, i mean did he continue to lose his mind? Did he? Did he come just to just remain like a childlike, in a childlike state? It's a pretty sad yeah, ending I, for the character. You know, yeah, it's kind of a shame to think about. He probably just ended up turning into a, a vegetable. But, um, yeah. but no, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where you'd almost hope that he, you know went back to the stars somehow, you know, who knows, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I think that's kind of, you know, the way it goes. Right. I, I do remember that scene though, of course, Amanda or, um, uh, is it Carter, right? Yeah. I think. Oh, I'm terrible. Yeah. Okay. No, you're good. <laughs> Don't kill me. Stargate fans. Um, but yeah, no, um, yeah. So, you know, when Carter comes in and visits, you know, it's that kind of, you know, it is the sad thing where she's like almost, you know, she she's trying to see if he's still there, but he's not, right? He's just kind of like, oh, hey, how's it going? Who are you? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, and yeah, you never know. I guess that's that's the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That's the um... no. Can't it can do become it. no big word. No big words. You today. know, we could <laughs> we could see him in the future. You know, I know that uh, uh, that Amazon and MGM are developing something. Stargate related, but uh, to my knowledge, they can't determine what it is that they want at this stage because of all the strikes that are going on. So they're not exactly yeah. pushing that ball up uh, up the hill. But yeah, um, I did hear about that, and we, you know, it's you know, it's funny too. Like oh, after you know, I re like I said, I rewatched all of it in in the last you know recent years, I should say. And as far as like a science fiction, you know, I just really enjoy the history of it you know like the way that they i get it makes sense to me you know the whole idea of you know the norse the 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 um egyptian uh yeah the egyptian like all of these gods being gods that we have today you know it's kind of like you know it's it's basically like i relate it to ancient aliens the show but like ancient aliens to me is almost based off Stargate, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like like they, they're just the taking other. everything that Stargate's already said. And then they're like, yeah, these are aliens. Um, but yeah. And so it's just, you know, after rewatching it for me, it was just, you know, it's one of those shows where I'm like, man, like you would think that it's a show that needs to be on TV just because of that. You know, it's such a cool um, take on the you know alien versus human versus whatever kind of side deal where it's you know 
I just see it out of out of all the you know science fiction kind of shows that I've seen for the most part. I see it being the most believable that you know one day maybe we do come to that realization. You know, um, it feeds and, into uh, that yeah. question of what if you know because mm-hmm. our beliefs had to come from somewhere, and the mm-hmm. Occam's Razor says, well, you know, if 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 the humans have a, a, an amazing capacity to create and invent. Um, But what if there is a physical force that visited us and imposed these ideas upon us Um, Mm -hmm. and then came back and back and back to feed on us a little bit more and take more of us here and more of us there. And those who were left behind were left with these, these ideas. That's what Stargate represents. And I think when, when you pull everything back, I think it invites us to wonder about our nature in the universe and mm-hmm. what we can potentially become. I mean, you played an ancient for crying out loud, the the previous iteration of humanity. So the, the they they achieved a height that we can we can reach for. And I think that that's the wonderful thing about science fiction. We can sit back and watch it and go, yeah, we can become something more than what we are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, and it's, you know, again to speak on, you know, just the history side of it, it's that it's that exactly like I'm definitely a huge believer. You know, I was, I was raised religious. Like I was, I was, you know, baptized as Christian and everything and, you know, kind of, you know, fell, you know, definitely not too like hyper religious myself these days anymore, but I definitely am that believer that, you know, there, there's, there's something there's more, just, you know, something afoot, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's uh there's yeah. energies and, you know, there's just, there's things that we don't understand that happen in the world whether that is you know when we die we go to heaven or or whatever you know whom whom ye choose to believe in um something yeah something is occurring yeah and it's you know i just i believe in that for sure you know i you know i'm i'm a big like paranormal guy and everything as well and it's just that we're like i full well believe that there are emotions and again like emotions and energies and and everything that can be left behind by certain events and and you know all these things right and it's you know just who knows if it's a higher power or whatnot but it is you know it's it's that idea of just you know we don't know you know we we can speculate all we want we can you know try and you know, say this happened, you know, 40,000 years ago or a hundred thousand years ago or whatnot, but, you know, we don't know, you know, and, and, you know, I find it funny that we kind of, you know, live our lives, you know, it's like, there's always that saying where you can look back in history and kind of learn, you know, hopefully we learn from our own history, but I feel like that's (laughs) like, I I feel like we're getting farther and farther away from that, where it's like, no one actually looks into our history these days anymore. And, you know, for myself, it was video games that made me look into history. And then it's, it is, it's the stuff like, you know, when I started rewatching Stargate, all of a sudden I got hardcore into like Egyptian mythology again. Right. Cause I was like, man, I want to learn about it. It encourages stuff. you to learn, you know, and it's you know? like, yeah. And it's just, you know, yeah. again, it, they, they made it, they did a very, they did it very cleverly and just played off, you know, again, I think it's, you know, because their lore is literally rooted in our own history and they've just built this kind of, you know, 
possible outcome almost of our own history and so i just i just really enjoyed again like stargate as a show and how it did that you know and it does kind of make you think like oh hey you know what if those egyptian gods did have little worms in their tummies <laughs> <laughs> like, who knows who knows but um but yeah so um you know it, it's just yeah it's yeah it was a super it was a crazy privilege and honor to work on the show and you know being able to watch it later obviously is always fun too um how yeah but you see how they make the magic happen it's always cool i'll never forget the first time i visited the set and it took away um so much of the magic for sure seeing the ceilings oh it's all just a bunch of lights it's not a cg you know roof with the retractable roof um but but it adds something as well that you didn't have before you know it's so the the magic is replaced by something more Mm mm-hmm you are a gamer. Um, have you heard about Stargate Timekeepers? No. Okay. Are, 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 have you played any real-time strategy or real-time tactics? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Play, uh, the, the Total War games are one of my favorite that I play, actually. Which oh, I guess okay. they're kind of more, like, turn-based, I think. But, yeah, they're a strategy game. Yeah, Empire at War is probably mine. Um, That's interesting, actually. Uh, so it is in development right now. It's going to be coming out in the next several months. It is in beta. Um, there are eight or nine missions, and I'd love to have you back to play one of the missions at some point when. Uh, yeah, I was going to say when uh, when the game goes uh, a little bit more public. I'm communicating with them right now to see how how we want to do it. But I want to take each episode with a uh, with a Stargate star and uh, and go through the map with them. And you being an ancient, you know, there, there are definitely some, some ancient levels in this thing that's coming out. And I'd love to have you back for one. Yeah, that's funny. It literally says from the producers of Warhammer 40k Gladius, <laughs> the, the Total War game that I play is Warhammer oh, based. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, well, these guys, I actually know the Gladius game too that they're talking about. I haven't played it, but, um, but yeah, no, that's crazy. Okay. I'm just looking at it on Steam right now. Yeah, it's beautiful and yeah. I've I am not that familiar with it it's more RTT. I'm not that familiar with real-time tactics. Um Yeah. But yeah, uh, it looks like um yeah, I I see the couple screenshots here. Yeah, it's like um it's definitely oh, turn based. I'm trying to think of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you, you probably move your guys like X amount per turn, and then you set up their sights, and it, it looks interesting for sure. I'm trying to relate it to a game that I've played recently. What are you playing Anyways. right now? I saw you were fishing. Oh, right now I'm actually I'm on Starfield. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, who's I, Starfield? I, I was, How is it? Yes, Starfield's. Are, I mean, it's Fallout in space. So okay, it's, it's good. If if you okay. like Fallout, then you'll like it. I'm an Elite um, Dangerous fan. I, I don't know if you played Elite Dangerous, but yes, I did. Um, I definitely went on the old ED binge for a bit. Oh um, man, I go back to that every every couple of years. You know, I yeah, love. I played- the the, the combat Eve as well okay Eve as oh well, man i couldn't a little bit the, i couldn't go yes. down that rabbit hole man that's yes. that's a rabbit hole i have friends who have lost years of their lives to eve online <laughs> the last the last time i played i played for a few months and i remember like i i just wanted to i just wanted to fly stealth fighters yeah. and it was like a six month <laughs> like training session just to get i literally had to train six month worth of abilities just to fly my <laughs> stealth fighters and i was like well 
Maybe when I come back to this game in two years, then I can fly stealth fighters. <laughs> I couldn't get yeah. over the, per- yeah. the, I couldn't get over the permadeath. It's like, if you yeah. lose like a Titan, it's gone. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, luckily now it's not too bad. Oh but yeah. Okay. You definitely want to make sure to have your ship insurance. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. With Elite yeah. Dangerous, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So any, any interest in coming back and playing a, playing a level of timekeepers with us? Oh, Totally. Oh yeah, definitely. All right. I'd love to. Legit. I'd love to. So, what with the advances in AI? I mean, I I saw a guy. I can't remember. It was a YouTube video of of a guy entering a a video game and just talking with a um uh, a a uh, non player character on the street and just having a conversation with him with the with the advances that are that are coming with video games and continuing to enter this world of entertainment with web three and all this stuff that's coming up, where do you foresee our entertainment future going? Is it wide open for anyone who just wants to sink their teeth into it and make, you know, a few million dollars in, in trying this new direct, where do you, where do you foresee us, us going as a species in terms of how we can consume our entertainment in 10 years, in 20 years? Well, (laughs) I, I was related to idiocracy. We're just, we're slowly becoming more and more like idiocracy. So we'll be, we'll be sitting in our couches, eating sludge pretty quick here, just 20 screens. Uh, No. um, (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, uh, like I've taken, you know, the journey into web three and and crypto the last, I don't know. It's been like three years. feels like it's been Mm -hmm. like two months, but it's weird. That's what crypto will do to you. Some days it feels like two months. Some days it feels like 10 years. I don't know. I have have Bitcoin and Ethereum myself. I get it. Yeah. It's like, how's it doing today? Um, How's it doing? Oh, damn it. It's down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, everything's down. (laughs) Um, But no, um, it's, you know, that like I kind of took different like phases as well. Like I started in in crypto with mining. Um, oh, you've mined, you know, okay? And, yeah, and it's it's um, so that's where I started, and that's kind of what I understood, and I obviously entered it a lot differently. And that's you know th- one of the best things I find about Web three right now is it's kind of like the great equalizer. You know, like, you know, I myself, I'm come from film. I, yes, you could say that I am intelligent. I'm not, you know, an idiot by any means. I, 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 you know, don't have problem learning or anything like that, but I wouldn't say that I'm like a techie guy, a developer. I don't know anything or I didn't at that time know anything about crypto, how it worked, whatever, but, and I never would have thought that I would have found twitter as the home Mm. to it all um it's it's one of those things where i was actually talking with someone the other day and and um (laughs) i was mentioning that it always makes us it always like um uh devalues the thing when people are like how do you learn about crypto and you're like twitter spaces yeah (laughs) they're they're all like the more i share the more people are going to be on it it's like honestly the best place to learn about it is Twitter and yeah. it's just it always everyone's like I don't want to go to Twitter to learn about crypto and it's like well that's where everyone's talking about it but anyways well, um let's let's yeah, clarify no. here web3 it's the third generation of the world wide web it's meant to be a decentralized mm-hmm. system open to everyone on top of blockchain technology so the the same yeah. type of thing that crypto is built on so yeah that's... yeah and web3 
so web three that's where like you know and it's you know it's it's a shame to almost say web three but that's the big differentiator right now especially for film yep so my long story short was i started in mining and at that time nfts were also popping i was ignorant to nfts i was like it's jpegs jpegs that are worth millions it's like art you know it's like at that point like okay i can understand why some art might be worth millions but i'm not gonna pay millions for someone's art that's just me so that i own it but everyone else can still see it but i own it. yeah exactly it's uh, you know but once i got into nfts and what nfts are um and that's a whole nother explanation and rabbit hole and blah, 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 blah. But really, you know, that's where then I started to kind of, I, I had the light bulb moment, so to speak of, you know, anything that I had, you know, merchandise wise, right? Like I was thinking of like autographs, um, you know, Stargate cards, mm-hmm. you know, like different things that I, pardon me, signed over the years, I was like, those could have all been NFTs, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and so it's, it's more like where I see web three and NFTs and stuff coming in. Um, again, it's so like, I've, I'm trying to do film three. It's called, of course, I don't really like using that term, but that's what other people are calling it is film three. And right now, Film on the blockchain, it's more or less the only purpose is for funding. Um, it has caught backlash, um, namely being Stoner Cats is one of the biggest ones. So Stoner Cats was done by uh, uh, Mila Kunis or whatever, okay. and Ashton Kutcher. Um, and they are now getting hunted by the SEC. Um, they've been offered a, they've been given a cease and desist by the SEC and they have been called a security. Um, so anyone who bought those and Ashton Kutcher and them now owe the SEC like millions of dollars. Um, so there's kind of things that are happening and, you know, it's the way that I've kind of explained it to some people is a lot of people are using it as more or less a glorified GoFundMe, right? They're, they're trying to, so it's like, I'm trying to raise 1.5 million for my movie. I'm going to sell 10,000 NFTs to do so. And those NFTs get you like a producer slot and blah, 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 blah. blah. We call it, uh, one of the terms I use is hopium. Um, It's uh, something, something that you sell people on is the hopium. (laughs) You tell them they're going to make, make a bunch of money and, you know, but me being from the film industry, I look at that and I'm like, hold on a second. You're saying you're going to make this movie for $1.5 million. And the, main hook line and sinker is you're going to give a royalty to the nft collection so now you're trying to tell somebody you pay me 200 dollars, and when my movie makes millions you'll get your money back whereas me then i you know it's not necessarily right this minute because the market's terrible, but but like last year, the year before I saw people doing this and they were making money and they were being able to film their stuff. But then it comes down to my expertise in the film industry where I'm like, how do you know you're actually going to make money on this movie? Right. And it's like, it's so a new it's technology timing. too. So yeah, you're, you're well, completely wild west. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the thing is that, 
but that model doesn't utilize web three at all oh all that is is me saying i'm gonna raise my funds in web three and kick back my web three people but my movie's still going to be in theaters hopefully my movie's still going to be on netflix hopefully like it's not like i'm only going to have this movie on web three now because there's no viewers there yeah it's not going to exist there yet yeah exactly and so you know web three and and or film three more so like it will come but you need that mass adoption first. Mm-hmm. And as of right now, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it's like less than 10% of the world actively deals and trades in crypto. And then only a portion of that 10% are going to be looking to invest or spend money on like movie-based, you know, projects, right? And so for me, like one of the projects we have going is I had the original idea to do more or less kind of what other people are doing, which is like a studio. Um, then you can have DAOs, which DAOs, I'm a part of a DAO project. A DAO basically stands for a decentralized autonomous organization. So you would then have a voting structure more or less, right? So what you can do is you could have a studio that is then technically owned or operated by your investors through voting and stuff, right? And so for myself as a creator, it's like, why not? You know, if I can have 10,000 people, a hive mind, that are now all voting on, say, scripts or genre or whatever it may be as far as us producing, well, that's basically market research. You know, you can, wow. you know, most, most polls never go above a few thousand people, right? So it's like, yeah. if you have 10,000 people in a group, the good part about crypto is it's global. So you can imagine that if you have 10,000 people in a group, you're going to have people from all over the world, different backgrounds, different, you know, again, different loves, different hates, blah, 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 blah. Well, if all those people majority based can agree on something, then one could possibly assume that if we make this film, well, we have at least 70% of our 10,000 that want to see it. So will that, you know, equate to real views in real life who knows you know it's speculation of course but that was kind of the idea at first was doing that studio but again like you know most million dollar nft projects don't have communities of ten thousand people right now and that's it's hard to imagine you know you normally are selling these things on one blockchain. And again, there's thousands of blockchains, you know, or currencies or however you want to kind of describe it. So again, you're basically only marketing to, you know, 1% of the hundred percent of the market, but you have to only market to 1% because then you don't want to market on 40 different chains because that's just not the way it works. Right. So there's still, you know, growing pains. And I think like a standard that needs to be set um, for like film, it's a lot easier, I think, to fathom it for music, like musicians, artists, because then they can just literally like make a CD and sell that via NFTs, right? Whereas like making a movie, so specifically um, the first person I would say that has done it and did it successfully was Kevin, Kevin Smith. Um, like from, uh, uh, yeah. Jane Silent Bob, you know, like, uh, yeah, Jane Silent Bob. Um, 
comic book man, I guess. Is, um, yeah. You know, what he's kind of more recently famous for. Um, but he did his own movie called Kilroy. Um, and that was sold in 2000 copies. So there was like 2000 NFTs and each one of those NFTs was the movie itself. So in theory, there's only 2000 copies of that movie in existence. And to watch that movie, you have to buy one of the NFTs. Wow. So it's like, that's cool. It's a cool idea. But for myself, it was like, mm, like I'm a Kevin Smith fan, but I guarantee this movie is not going to be worth like a hundred dollars for me, you know? And so it's kind of one of those things where again, it's like he did it. He had a bunch of his fans buy it. They sold out, but no one's heard of that movie. Like no one in web two, we call it, or no one in the real world is like, Oh, got to get me a Kilroy NFT so I can watch that crazy movie. Everyone's been talking about. So it's again, it's like big names are kind of using it to make money but there isn't really any solid projects that have been born and bred out of web three yet. Um, And I think the differentiator is how to utilize web three. So like for us, the, the one show that we're actually trying to do right now, I mentioned paranormal before is actually a ghost show, but we want to do it interactive. So you would basically be buying your NFT And then your NFT gains you access to our live streams. And then through that live stream, you can basically do like a choose your own adventure style show. Now, something like that doesn't necessarily work for a script because you have the integrity of your script, right? So you are, you know, you can't, you know, again, it's, it's like we were talking earlier about the inclusivity of the world and everything right now, and just the industry and being able to um, uh, be creative, right? And that's where I think it comes down to web three, you just, you know, like I said, a lot of people right now are only using it for funding, which is very simple, you know, whereas like, we aim to use web three and blockchain and what we can do with it to enhance the project. You know, it's like, we're not reinventing the wheel by doing a ghost show, right. but we hope to make it unique via what we can do with web three, but right. there also has to be, you know, and that's where, you know, a lot of the people, it's funny too, because a lot of the, you know, it's, it kind of leads back to the nature of crypto. A lot of people, again, it's like decentralized. It's like anti-government, you know, the, the mentality of the people that are there. Right. It's very libertarian. Yeah. And so when you start talking about like, Oh, you know, can't wait for a big studio to come over to web three, everyone who went through like, no, we don't want studios here. And it's like, then how is your movie going to end up in theaters? If you're not, if you're not getting studios involved, you know, and it's just, so there's those necessary evils almost that have to happen where somebody has to bridge the gap, but whoever does that successfully, then yeah, like it's, you know, it's going to get crazy. But again, I think, you know, it's solidly like timing wise, we're probably a good, like, you know, at least like 10, you know, I'd say five to 10 years I think before that anything really hardcore comes out as yeah. far as film. And it's just because like, it's like anything, like to put it into relation, like you're more or less building the industry again. Like you have to build that industry again and that's going to come with failures and that's what mm-hmm. happens in crypto. But what sucks about that is once, you know, 
you look at if 10, 10 film projects have happened and none, not a single one of them have, you know, gone to theaters, then why would anyone want to invest in the next 10 projects? Right. And so it comes down to that. We're like, we need success stories, but they have to be born and bred from web three. And that just hasn't happened yet. And so, you know, I think again, it's because of the regulation side of things, just everything. Like it's, it's, it's a crazy world to be a part of, but it's one of those things where like I myself never would have considered myself to be like a pioneer in film, but I can be a pioneer in film three. Yeah. I mean, if you understand the technology, you're ahead of the curve. Yeah. And, and, you know, and of course AI is now becoming a huge thing as Mm -hmm. well. Right. And it's like, I'm one of those people that I'm not, I mean, yes, I have worries about it, but I don't think, you know, again, it, it's up to us to be creative, you know, and we are humans. We will value things the way we want, you know, like all we need to do is I think really the main thing, especially for film and AI, is it just needs to have rules set in place to showcase what is AI and what isn't. So Mm -hmm. as long as the viewer knows transparently this was done with real actors or this was done with AI, as long as I know that, well, now I'm going to value those differently. I will probably value something that's done by real actors higher. Mm -hmm. Just like if I had a Van Gogh in front of me or a copy of a Van Gogh. You know, it's like, which one is more valuable? Well, I decide that in reality to myself. And so as long as we humans are given that option of, do I know what this is or do I not? Then we'll judge it the way we want to judge it. It's not going to be like all of a sudden no actors are going to work anymore because we just have AI actors. It's like, no, people like, you know, I still want to go see a Robert De Niro film. I'm going to go see it because Robert De Niro's in it, not because AI Robert De Niro is, you know, and so it's, you know, it's stuff like that again, where it's like, I don't, it's, it's going to be left up to us as the creators to then utilize those tools, you know, it's like, what's wrong with AI if it can help people write scripts, you know, it's like, so like, <laughs> you I think know, we like... have a fear of, um, are we fully in or fully out? And yeah. there's like there, we have to learn that there's going to be a balance that these technologies are not going away and they're going to mm-hmm. continue to help, uh, enhance our lives or potentially yep. destroy our lives. And how yeah. we choose to interact with the technology will determine mm-hmm. how that occurs, not the technology itself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and obviously speaking on behalf of not necessarily my own occupation, but it's going to destroy some jobs for sure. Yes. You know, it's like, I think of literally like, you know, it's in my industry. Right. And I think of agents. Right. And yeah. it's like, well, you have an agent most of their life is like answering phone calls, answering emails, reading scripts, and then a couple other things. But most of those things are normally done by their assistant. Well, sadly, there might not be too many assistants being needed anymore because that could all probably be done with AI, you know, answering emails, stuff like that, right? But then again, it comes up to like, 
if these tools are accessible to everyone, then it's up to you whether or not you want to utilize them. Right. And it's like, that's the power of AI is when put in the right hands again and regulated properly. And, you know, it's like, it's like up here in Canada, right. Right. With, uh, you know, I'm not a huge like political by any means or like gun control or whatever, but it's something that we've noticed here where it's like, they got rid of handguns and we can't really own guns. Someone who is doing particularly nefarious or illegal activities don't care about those laws. So of course, getting an illegal handgun for them, they don't care. They're already doing something illegal. So they'll buy an illegal handgun. What's the same thing as AI. If we choose to ban it, that doesn't mean, as he said, that it's going to go away. And now you're basically just saying only the bad people get to use AI, which is terrible. Like (laughs) you don't want only sketchy people to be able to use AI, but if we can all use AI, then yeah, it's up to you whether or not you want to use AI. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think, you know, that's kind of the thing, you know, I guess the root of everything web three AI, and it is, it's like empower yourselves with tools and technology, but within reason, of course. Right. And so, you know, there's a couple of films a, that I think are. I was going to say it's a topic that could go on forever. Well, yeah, we're there's... getting it. Could, it could turn into Skynet. You never know. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I see the film Her being very prophetic in terms of sooner or later we're all going to have our own Samantha and Ready Player yeah. One. You know, sooner or later we're going to have. See, that's still something. I haven't watched Ready Player One yet. Still, okay. and it's, it's a great literally book. every it's a great every book. crypto friend that I have is like, watch Ready Player One. Like the the crypto person's like Bible is Ready Player One pretty much. There's a lot, but there. yeah, no, and it's it is you know it's you know with the whole like metaverse idea mm-hmm. with you know and all this stuff and it's you know and I hate to say it but it's kind of stuff like you know it's it's the global impacts like what COVID had and stuff you know it's like even in my town specifically right I remember like skip the dishes or like you know DoorDash or whatever you may call it, like Uber Eats you know Uber Eats was barely a thing here they were around but there was like two or three restaurants COVID hit and now all of a sudden everyone I know in this town orders on skip the dishes and DoorDash because for a two-year period that was pretty much the only way you could eat food you know was by delivery right yeah adoption and is so complete it's, yeah it's stuff like that that like you know some people will be like oh you know i'd never want to sit on my couch put some goggles on and go hang out with my friends in the metaverse but what happens if one day again we get locked down and now you can't go hang out with your friends at all well you're probably gonna go into the metaverse and go hang out with your friends right and so it's like you know and it's you know, it's kind of like what you had mentioned earlier about technology and, and, you know, books and films and everything. It's like every technology at one point is a fringe technology until it becomes reality, right? It's like 3D printing, you know, it's like, I have a 3D printer. Some people still can't fathom it, but it's here and it's not going anywhere. That's and right. every six months, it just advances. It yeah, advances half the things advances. behind me are so, 3D printed. I mean, yeah. it just it just <laughs> yeah. takes a certain amount of know-how, you know? Yeah, well, so. my father, is where he works at uh, one of our uh, – he works at the 
Canadian nuclear laboratories over in um, Ontario. And that's basically what he's working on is 3D printing nuclear fuel. So like they're 3D printing thorium pellets and stuff. And so the idea with that is, is having these small modular reactors. Well, people want like, you know, they want to get rid of fossil fuels and, you know, all this stuff. But if you're in, you know, Alaska, or if you're in these crazy remote places, people don't understand what it's like to live there. They have to ship in fuel and stuff, right? And that's one of their largest costs. Well, now think of the idea of having a nu- a small nuclear reactor that fuels that whole town wow. and all it needs for fuel is a little 3D printer right beside it. And you just print your own fuel, bam, you know? And it's like, wow. you know, the, the amount of stuff that is going to be made. And that's where I think yeah. that it kind of all ties in. Like I've even thought of like, you know, again, the NFT word, you know, when I try and explain it to people, it's like, well, think of it as more of like a ticket. Right. And it's like that ticket is valid proof that you own that said item, but that item doesn't necessarily have to be produced. It's like when you think of the world, climate change, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think of overproduction and to use one company like Nike, right? You Mm -hmm. think of Nike, how many pairs of shoes do they make in a year versus how many do they sell? They probably, you know, overproduce crazy amounts of products and never sell them. Uh, You know, they get ripped off. They get fakes, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like that whole industry. Well, now imagine if rather than producing those shoes to sell them in every one of your stores, you have a 3D printer. Well, now you have someone that buys that, that shoe online, but it's an NFT. Well, they don't have that physical shoe made. They have it on demand, but then, you know, say they want that pair of shoe. Well, they take that ticket and they burn it, so to speak. They put it into the thing. They, they redeem their pair of shoes and then bam, within a week you have your pair of shoes. Well, is that not something that for those large industries that imagine how much money they could in theory save once that technology is available, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not saying they can 3d print Nikes by any means, but in the next few years, they most Eventually. likely will be able to. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just getting the fabrics and whatever done, right? Yeah. But it's and you know, they're probably 3D printed shoes, just not Nikes. But but yeah, they're but it's 3D printed guns. Where... So of course. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. well, exactly, right. No, and I know they're like 3D printing houses now and stuff like That's that. Right. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah. Can you imagine the machine that puts those out? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's got to be massive. That'd be an interesting thing to watch work. That's for sure. Cameron, um, this this yeah. has been really, um, really cool. I have I have uh, really enjoyed uh, getting to know you better and exploring uh, all the facets of 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 what you're working on. Um, where can people go to follow you and see what you're doing? Well, Twitter is normally where I frequent the most. So okay. Twitter, I'm just at Cameron Bright. Um, I am one of those guys. I have like NFTs and weird things as my photos, but yeah, at Cameron Bright, um, I don't have the blue check mark anymore because I don't want to pay for it. 
But, um, <laughs> probably going to have to do that sooner or later here. Um, yeah, I had the cool one that meant you were somebody, and then Elon Musk showed up and ruined everything. Um, but no, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, at Cameron Bright on Twitter, and that's kind of where I frequent the most. I okay. do stream. Um, I'm, I'm on Kick now, so you can check me out on Kick. As yeah, well. I watched you fish. At, uh, I was like, man, uh, the yeah, time has come where we're game. we're fishing online yeah. now. You are you yeah, are the no, great outdoors. You it know? is. It, it's it's strangely um, it's strangely relaxing to just hop <laughs> on that game every once in a while. And, like even my my regulars in my wow. stream are like, man, they're like, this is like ASMR. I'm just <laughs> sitting here hearing the waves crash, and you know, it was like, yeah, man, De Niro yeah. or someone similar to De Niro back in around 2006 on the Oscars talking about, yeah, I just came from a, me and my son, we were playing a Nintendo 64 game of a father and son playing catch. And yeah. I mean, that's, we've <laughs> yeah. kind of moved in that direction. It's like you have the exact same or near enough experience digitally fishing as you would yeah. going out and casting a line. That's amazing. No, some of the, some of the simulators are kind of funny, like farming simulator. Oh it's my like, gosh. Yes. I really want to sim growing six months worth of food like no thank you but hey to each their own right <laughs> hey you know yeah. i i played the sims when it was it's the first iteration 1.0 yeah. yeah, and exactly. i loved putting those kids into little rooms that they couldn't get out of and having them go off to military school yeah i was gonna say so yeah <laughs> i love that too just stick them in a house and get rid of all the That's... all the doors and see them exactly delve into right. chaos yeah you they pee own, on themselves and then they're in a military uniform <laughs> yeah. and they're saluting yeah. So. Your own social, your own social experience, uh, experiment on on Sims as like a crazy uh, ten year old. Like, mm, I would have adults come into my room and they're torture. like, "What are you doing to those?" I'm like, "Don't worry, they're not real." Yeah, <laughs> Jeez. but yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah. If they want to keep tabs on me, yeah, kick.com slash Papa Craig's. I guess it is Craig's with a Z. Um, and then yeah, at Cameron Bright uh, on Twitter. Um, I do have an Instagram. It's also Papa Craig's. Uh, I I lost my main one i had like an actual cameron bright one years ago but i did you get hacked the... no it was it was more of a uh like i had someone that was dealing with it oh. and we had a falling out and so they just kind of like had it and it's whatever so i was always that guy growing up like you know and that's actually why i started streaming as well was because nine times out of ten like i was just gaming and that was, it was like the expectations again, right? Of being mm -hmm. like this famous actor growing up. Everyone thinks you're jet setting around the world, eating good food, doing whatever. And I'm just like sitting on my ass playing video games nine times out of 10. So it was more like a way for me to connect with my fans, right? It's like, hey, just come on out and, you know, chill while I'm playing some video games. Yeah, you have to have um, a release. So. Yeah. And then now um, I'm actually in the process of uh, launching my own video game on Web3 um so i have uh we're supposed to release our alpha and our first batch of nfts um this this weekend <laughs> like uh, is it this weekend yeah the 24th i think um so yeah we're we're gonna be called matic mini golf um is that so what that is okay yeah i saw that yeah. 
Yeah. So Matic mini golf is my game that I'm making. Um, and basically it's, you know, again, it's just something super simple. It's just going to be a mini golf game, but then we're going to, uh, you know, you call it, call it degening it out basically in crypto, but we're going to make it so that you can wager and have like handicaps. So like a buff debuff wow. system, stuff like that, tournaments, blah, 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 blah. Um, again, that's kind of something again, that like web three, can allow right yeah. it's you know for for a film idea like i've always kind of thought you know think of like think of something like game of thrones right think mm-hmm. of something like a film like that that has like factions and you know all this stuff and this kind of never-ending war going on well what happens now is if what would happen if you gave your viewers the ability to vote on story arcs right it's as far as a project goes it's like you're basically creating demand because as your show launches you're going to have fans of different factions but then you put it up to those fans to fight for their factions and be able to like you know again it's like now say you want you know faction a to win this next war well you have to put up your you know stake your your nft or whatever and whoever stakes the most nfts will that's the faction that rises to the top kind of thing. Right. And it's, you know, again, it kind of leads back to us to be creative and be open to kind of allowing these cool things. And that's where I think the future of a lot of the stuff is going to end up is that interactivity. And, you know, that's where really like, you know, that's kind of the next evolution, I guess you could say of our entertainment right now, because a lot of it, it's like you watch the show and then you start becoming a fan, right? It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, I can be, you know, engaged in this show and help, you know, the outcome of the show all just by being a fan, right? And so that's kind of where I think, you know, the next, you know, like I said, evolution of everything is. So hopefully we'll see, starting with a video game, make a bit of money off that, hopefully, and of then course. Move, on, move on to the film stuff and try and, try and do something cool. But it's... Uh, yeah, you know, one step at a time, right? Well, that's really <laughs> cool, man, and definitely want to help out any way that I can. So that's that's pretty legit. Yeah. I really appreciate um, uh, you sharing your your Stargate stories with us and all the other stories as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, no worries. Yeah, sorry, I can I can ramble some. No, this too, is good so. stuff. <laughs> this is why we do the show. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, all all the best to to your your endeavors, and love to have you back for Stargate Timekeepers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm free most most of the time unless I get called into work. So, but yeah, um, yeah, feel free. Um, I leave obviously on Twitter. Feel free to reach out. Absolutely, me slide into the DMs. Um, but yeah, um, no, yeah, thanks for having me as well. And it's always nice to chat and reminisce, you know, about the good old days. <laughs> um, even though I'm only thirty, I'm like, uh. you got a long way to go, man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, appreciate well, it. that's that's what's nice. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. Thanks so much to Cameron Bright for joining me in this episode of Dial the Gate. I really enjoyed this discussion and all the different avenues that we went down. Uh, I've put links to his sites in the description below where you can follow him on Twitter and on Kick. Um, go fishing with Cameron. <laughs> I never would have thought I would be saying that a few years ago, but this is the direction that we're going with the technology. So, and it was it was great discussing that with him, and and I look forward to having him back for an episode of Stargate Timekeepers whenever uh, that game uh, gets off the ground. Keep an eye on dialthegate.com for all. Uh, 
the new episodes that are going to be coming out for the rest of our extended season three. We've got a lot of things happening here. Really thankful to everyone that I have uh, coming forward. My thanks to my moderating team, Tracy, Anthony, Summer, Jeremy, and Reese. My producer, Linda the Gate, Linda Gate Capper Fury, and uh, Frederick Marcou at Concepts Web for continuing to keep uh, DialTheGate.com uh, up and running. And my thanks once again to Cameron Bright with being so generous with his time. My name is David Reed. For Dial the Gate, the Stargate Oral History Project. I'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner. Co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Dial the Gate.